Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. If you had to describe what's been going on in Europe um, with the AstraZeneca vaccine in one word, how would you do that? Oh, one word. Um, disarray. You'd be forgiven for asking, what is going on with the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe? Because different countries are taking really different approaches. France, Germany and Italy have become the latest countries to suspend use of the Oxford AstraZeneca jab over concerns about blood clots. UK experts are baffled by the European action. Okay, yeah, disarray is is pretty good to describe it. You want to hear my terrible pun one word choice? Yes. AstraZeneca catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Sure thing. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... I'm Sarah Wheaton. I'm the chief policy correspondent here at Politico Europe. And that means I write about whatever big policy thing is going on. And that's almost always coronavirus and vaccines. Sarah Wheaton on how and why Europe freaked out about the AstraZeneca vaccine. Austrian authorities are blocking a batch of AstraZeneca CCP virus vaccines. They're investigating the doses as a precaution after one person died, another was sickened following inoculation. So basically, Austria suspended a batch of AstraZeneca vaccines after some reports of some unusual blood clotting events. And then a few days later, we saw Denmark basically say, we're going to stop vaccinating with AstraZeneca completely. Some other Nordic countries made similar announcements. And over the following week, you saw more and more European Union countries say, oh, yeah, actually, let's just hit pause. The authorities in the Republic of Ireland have recommended temporarily suspending the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine while investigations are carried out into four new reports of blood clotting in patients who've received the jab in Norway. And then on Monday, you saw kind of the big, powerful EU countries, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, all say that they were going to pause vaccinations. An update on some breaking news. And, And France, Germany and Italy have now joined the EU countries to suspend the rollout of the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID vaccine. Meanwhile, it's important to say that regulators, whether we're talking about the European Medicine Agency or the World Health Organization, they've said, look, so far, we haven't seen any evidence that these blood clotting events are caused by the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Just because you get a vaccine doesn't mean that you're protected from every other normal thing that can go wrong. The latest data from the European Medicines Agency shows that out of 5 million AstraZeneca vaccinations given across the continent, there have been 30 reports of people suffering a blood clot soon afterwards. But in a population of that size, you would expect 5,000 people a year to develop blood clots, even without vaccination. Obviously, cardiovascular problems are, are pretty common. And the argument from AstraZeneca is that, hey, look, actually, these aren't happening any more than, than we would predict to happen in kind of under normal circumstances in the general population. And you're also not seeing more issues with these vaccines than with other coronavirus vaccines. So why are you picking on us? Huh. So like, let's say um, instead of vaccines, we were we were talking about sports drinks here. 
Um, it's sort of like a situation where some people who buy Gatorade happen to get in car accidents and then everybody decides you shouldn't buy Gatorade because you're going to get it in a car accident. But at the same time, like people who get other sports drinks are also still getting in car accidents. So potentially and and probably that's what happened. But the EMA and other regulators around the world, including the World Health Organization, are really looking at this closely and trying to figure out what's going on. And the reality is that there have been instances where vaccines do cause problems in a very rare number of cases. But the other thing is, you know, this problem could also be caused by the coronavirus itself. And the argument that many are making, including at the WHO and at the European Medicines Agency, is coronavirus is a serious, deadly disease. So if you're thinking about risk versus benefit, which is the way a lot of drug regulators think, it's still worth the risk that maybe a tiny number of people will have these blood clots in exchange for the benefit of, of so many more people being protected from an even more dangerous illness. It's fascinating. So you have what could be a small risk, might not even be a risk associated with the vaccine, but you still have this huge domino effect of, of countries pausing the shots. I mean, at this point, it, it sounds like almost most of Europe isn't giving AstraZeneca at this point? Yeah, it's at least 17 at this point, And that's out of 27 countries. And perhaps even more importantly, that includes some of the biggest, most powerful countries, mm-hmm. um, ones that have their own regulatory system. So a lot of the smaller EU countries really rely on the European Medicines Agency, whereas as countries like France and Germany kind of have the power to make their own decisions. But we've at the same time, um, we also saw a Spanish official, um, the Spanish health minister say that Spain actually has not even seen very many of these cases at all. Hmm. But sort of because they saw these other countries doing it, they felt pressure to, as a precaution, you hear the word precaution a lot, they felt pressure as a precaution to hit pause. Wow. It just seems kind of wild to me. Like if if the science isn't really there, if there isn't a reason to be scared about this, how does something like this happen? Or why does something like this happen? I guess I would say there are three big factors that are probably somewhat interrelated to each other. The first one is kind of one of the more deep-seated things, which is that Europe really prides itself on being more deliberative and having more of a cautious regulatory structure in comparison to the United States, in comparison to the United Kingdom. A big factor in Brexit was that in the UK, they said, oh, we can get out from under the precautionary principle. And that's this sort of vaunted idea in Europe that, you know, first do no harm. And so if there's some sort of new technology, new medicine, new pesticide is where this issue often has played out. Even if there's no evidence that uh, that this new thing is going to hurt people, we're going to really make sure like we're 100% sure that it's not going to hurt people until we allow it rather than like allowing it and hoping for the best. And so that's why you're seeing, okay, there's a sign that maybe there might be a problem with this vaccine. We're just going to hit pause and just check everything out and wait and see. Mm -hmm. Related to that, you have a huge amount of vaccine skepticism in Europe, um, especially countries like France. Do we know why that is? Um, There's a lot of mistrust of big industry. Um, And so you are going to see more vaccine skepticism uh, and hesitancy on the left 
Um, we think of it somewhat more as of a, a right-wing movement in the United States. It's definitely kind of a crunchy, anti-corporate movement in Europe. Interesting. Yeah. And that, and that's why, like, France is really one of the countries that has most defended this precautionary principle idea. It's also very important in France as well as at the European level. And so the thinking from some regulators and some public health people in countries like France is, okay, look, we don't want stories to get out that, you know, if you get a vaccine that there might be a blood clot or a heart attack or something like that. So let's just hit pause so that then we can come back to people and say, hey, trust us, we would not be letting you get this vaccine unless it was definitely 100% safe. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, other public health people argue, look, like there's really not a good reason to think that this vaccine is causing these problems. And so by by pausing the administration of this vaccine, you're going to do irreparable damage. Mm -hmm. A poll just did come out the other day showing that only 20% of French people would get the AstraZeneca vaccine. That's probably down from around like 50%. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see if Ultimately, they do restart this vaccine if that number does go back up or if it stays really low. Yeah. The last factor that I would say is at play here is politics and the politics of Brexit. Um, so we've and we've already seen this with the AstraZeneca vaccine. The UK approved this vaccine much earlier than the EU. The British Prime Minister is celebrating the approval with this tweet. It is truly fantastic news and a triumph for British science that the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine has been approved for use. You know, it was originally developed with Oxford University. A lot of it is produced in the UK, so this is really Really the UK vaccine. The UK is way ahead of the EU on vaccinations in general. And also this is the vaccine where they have most failed to meet their delivery targets in Europe. Anger in Brussels after AstraZeneca announced it would be unable to deliver the agreed upon number of doses. And everybody in Europe is furious with AstraZeneca already. The European Union has pre-financed the development of the vaccine and its production and wants to see the return. The European Union wants to know exactly which doses have been produced where by AstraZeneca so far, and if or to whom they have been delivered. And so we've already seen instances where the European Medicines Agency, when they approved the AstraZeneca vaccine, they said, hey, this is approved for all adults. But many European countries said, oh, we don't like the clinical trial. They didn't they didn't test this vaccine in enough older people. And so we're only going to use it for people under 65, under 55. On Tuesday, France's top health authority recommended the jabs for people under the age of 65. And it took them a long time to finally agree to use it in older people. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't the first time that we've seen European countries express mistrust of the AstraZeneca vaccine and sort of present their approach as being in contrast to the way uh, the UK is using it. That's fascinating. So you might have a situation where like anger over AstraZeneca, even anger over the UK and Brexit is boiling over in the form of countries not administering shots in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, of course, any politician would deny that there's any political motivation behind these policymaking decisions. Uh -huh. But, you know, you can't you can't deny that at least that's that's the undertone of all this. Sarah Wheaton, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks, Jeremy. Also today. 
The Biden administration is defending a controversial provision in the recently passed coronavirus relief package that puts new restrictions on the ability of states to cut taxes after the state of Ohio asked a federal court to rule it unconstitutional. The legislation stipulates that states, the District of Columbia, territories, and tribal governments receiving assistance through the plan cannot use the funding to offset the cost of cutting taxes. The measure has sparked frustration from the GOP, with almost two dozen Republican attorneys general writing to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen denouncing the provisions as, quote, the greatest attempted invasion of state sovereignty by Congress in the history of our republic. And tax day is delayed. On Wednesday, the IRS announced that they're now pushing back the deadline to file federal taxes until May 17th due to the pandemic and recent policy changes that could complicate filing for some people. The agency has faced weeks of pressure from top lawmakers to extend the traditional April 15th deadline as it did last year when it moved the date to July 15th. In a statement, IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick said the agency, quote, wants to do everything possible to help taxpayers navigate the unusual circumstances related to the pandemic. But he also urged taxpayers to still file as early as they could, especially if they're owed refunds. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And to stay up on the latest on the pandemic, be sure to subscribe to our daily health newsletter, Politico Pulse, at politico.com slash newsletters. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.